Okay, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Figure It Out podcast with me, Chandler Collins. College Football Friday. Said it last week, we're going to be starting doing this podcast uh, every week now as we move closer and closer to bowl season and the college football playoff. New rankings out. We have three matchups from me and the Weissman Twins. No Weissman Twins today, though. Solo pod for the for the kid Chandler here. Um, got their three matchups. We are going to go over the best running back in the country. We're going to go over the college football rankings that were announced for the second time this year on Tuesday. And we've got it coming up for you next. Okay, let's get right into it. Starting with the college football. Football rankings announced Tuesday evening. A little bit of a switch up. Tennessee goes down this past weekend in Athens. Uh, two new two new teams make it into the uh, to the final four here. Georgia moves up to one. Ohio State at two remains at two. Michigan up into the mix now at three. TCU, look at that. TCU at four, love that. Tennessee at five. Oregon at six. And LSU at 7 after their massive win over Alabama in Baton Rouge Saturday evening. I don't necessarily think that I disagree with any of the uh, any of the rankings. I really do think that Georgia is the best. And when you really think about it, let's be honest, horrible, horrible spot for Tennessee. Um, Georgia had won 16 of the last 17 at home, I believe. Um, Georgia has the best defense over the last two years that I think we've seen in quite some time. And they really just ran into a buzzsaw. Didn't help that in the second half either, that there was some serious weather. Um, the whole country kind of seemed like it dealt with a little bit of weather um, this week throughout the uh, throughout the slate. Uh, a lot of rain, but it was over at that point already. Georgia is dominant. Um, Stetson Bennett, he, I feel like he's been forgotten about, really. I really do. Um, this guy has won the national championship. I know he's on the back of a really good defense, but you got to have to – you gotta have to have a guy that's gonna be able to distribute the ball around, and they have three really damn good tight ends. I mean, Brock Bowers, he's a first round pick. Tight ends normally don't go in the first round. It's very rare, but I don't know really what he hasn't done that would prove to me that he couldn't play in the NFL. He looks awesome. Um, Georgia plays Mississippi State this weekend. I don't think they have any issue there. Um, their defense matches up really well with a team that wants to throw it around the yard. Um, I look for them to go to Starkville and dominate. Ohio State, number two, they host Indiana at 11 a.m. on Fox. Um, Shouldn't be an issue for the Buckeyes. The Buckeyes struggled a little bit. Again, weather played a huge factor. Hurricane-like wins in Chicago this weekend. They took on Northwestern and ended up winning, I believe, 21-17. Excuse me, 21-7. 21-7, yeah, 21-7. Um, in Evanston, the biggest trap possibly in the entire country is the 11 a.m. game in Evanston, Illinois, on the grass. Everything looks slower. And then you add in the the uh, inability of Ohio State to run the football consistently throughout the year. Their offensive line is, is underperforming, and a lot of people um, are saying that's their biggest weakness when compared to Michigan, who we'll talk about here in a second, but I don't see any issue for Ohio State back at home against an inferior opponent like Indiana. Um, It's really all eyes pointing to that Thanksgiving weekend matchup between Ohio State and Michigan. Number three, speaking of Michigan, the Michigan Wolverines. 
continue to dominate teams physically and and that Ohio or excuse me that Penn State game that they had really sticks out in my mind. I know that it was uh it was it didn't look good for Michigan there for a bit, but you have number 10 Penn State at the time in town. You know they're fired up. They want to be they want to shut up the 110,000 big house. Penn State is a decent team and Michigan absolutely throttled them in the second half. I believe it was they were either down a little bit at half or tied at halftime and I don't believe Michigan or Penn State scored the rest of the way. Michigan absolutely rolls them. That game is in my mind and it's isn't going to leave until they play Ohio State. They host Nebraska this weekend. Both two and three are at home this weekend. It's so difficult to win on the road in college football, way more so than the NFL. Number two and number three, both at home this weekend. I don't think they have any issue. Nebraska comes to town to take on the Wolverines. I won't bash Nebraska. I have a lot of good friends of mine that are actually Cornhuskers, so I'll play nice today. I feel nice today. It's just awesome to talk about football with you guys. I really, really enjoy it. So we'll we'll, we'll stick with Michigan here. I look for them to roll. Blake Corum, we'll talk about him here in a second, about one of the best running backs in the country. Um, he's an absolute stud, and it helps when you have an offensive line as good as Michigan does. Rounding out the top four, TCU. This team just continues to win, man. Um, are they the best team in the country? Are they the fourth best team in the country? Probably not. But you can't take anything away from them. They continue to find ways to win games. They win this past weekend. Um, they're down huge against TC or excuse me against K State and Oklahoma State, and come back and win both games. Um, they beat Texas Tech at home this past weekend by two scores. Uh, this Max Duggan and this Horn Frogs offense is really damn good, and we're going to talk about them here more in a second. But I really think that this this TCU team, um, they can score with anybody, and it, it really it really comes down to their defense. I do question their defense. Normally, you think of TCU having kind of a mean, tough defense. I don't know that I've seen that necessarily. They're not the worst defense I've ever seen, but they have some flaws. They have some holes. We'll talk about that when we get to the Texas game. And that is the college football top four rankings released just on Tuesday. Look for those four teams in action this weekend. Last week, me, Riley, and Rhett talked about we were going to do a award of the year watch list uh, each week as we get closer and closer to the end of the season. This week, running backs. The Doak Walker Award awarded to the nation's best running back in college football Unanimously, all three of us. They now some little backstory here. They sent me all three of their. Uh, they sent me three guys they think could win it. So I will announce those three, and they really kind of almost took mine as well. So we're kind of on the same page there. Um, we'll start with three, and we'll work our way up. Number three, we all have Michigan. It's Blake Corum, um, just a phenomenal runner of the football. Really, obviously, all three of these guys are, but he just seems to really be meshing well with this offensive line. 126.3 yards per game. Um, that's a ridiculous clip. And uh, these guys that we're getting ready to talk about um, are outperforming that, which is insane. Um, he's really good. Michigan's really good. He's what makes this offense go. If he's not going, Michigan struggles. And that that really says a lot about the kid. Um, really good running back. Number two is where we get a little bit dicey here. Um, Rhett Weisman has Zach Charbonnet from UCLA. Riley has Minnesota's Mohamed Ibrahim 
Um, and I tend to lean a little towards the UCLA's Zach Charbonnet. I think that um, he, I, th- I think, I just, I don't know. I just like what I see better from him. I don't really know why. Um, he's insanely fast, um, and, and it's nothing, nothing, nothing wrong with Ibrahim at all. Coming off a, ma- a very serious injury last year um, really is kind of the only thing that Minnesota has. But when you look at UCLA's dynamic offense, he's really kind of the catalyst. Um, I think Dorian Thompson-Robinson, in my opinion, is not as good without him. Uh, Charbonnet, 964 yards on the year, 137.7 yards per game. That's kind of crazy that he averages that many yards per game and he isn't over 1,000 yards rushing. Um, Very interesting, but in terms of ranking, he ranks sixth nationally in yards per game. Um, And he's playing against really good teams. I mean, he played really well against Oregon. Um, He's playing against some good Pac-12 competition out there. So I give the nod at two to Charbonnet. Number one, unanimously, and I don't think there's any really much of an argument, this is going to be more of a Bijan Robinson um, hype segment, I guess you could call it, but it is Bijan Robinson. He's the best running back in football. He was on display last weekend against K-State big time. Um, he's awesome, man. He's, the, he's an amazing combination of power and speed, and I feel like he has been at Texas for eight years and it just seems that he keeps keeps getting better and better. He has 1,129 yards on the season, 12 touchdowns. Um, he, you know, Texas, I, I don't even think he gets enough carries. I think that they love Quinn Ewers, and rightfully so. But I think that they, they try to throw the ball around a little bit. And they have a young offensive line. That's the difference, I think, with the other two guys, three guys that I mentioned. I think Texas might have the worst offensive line. And that isn't saying that Texas has a bad offensive line. They're young. They're starting two true freshmen um, throughout the year. Um, and he's still putting up numbers. Uh, so I really do believe that in the, at the end of the year, the Doak Walker Award will go to Bijan Robinson. The Twins agree with me as well. And it's time will tell. But there are some really good candidates and some really good teams, really. I mean, Texas, UCLA, and Michigan – are all really good teams and have a chance to play in some really big bowls and some big games down the stretch. It'll be fun to see. Okay, let's wrap up the show. Three matchups from each one of us, again, just by myself, so I will do all three of them. Um, We're going to get to Riley Weissman's matchup first. The two-lane green wave. I like that Riley went a little group of group of five here. Give uh, give some uh, shine to the to the little little guys. I love it. Um, UCF number twenty-two in the country, seven and two, four and one in the American, going on the road to the Big Easy to take on the two-lane green wave, who are eight and one, five and zero oh in the American Conference. A lot of uh, a lot of things on the line here. First place in the conference on the line. Um, Interesting, interesting matchup. Uh, fun fact about this game: I've actually played in this stadium myself. So the Figure It Out podcast before its creation had been to New Orleans. Really a cool stadium. Really small, compact, but it has that New Orleans vibe in it. Um, really cool school, honestly. Uh, you know, I really liked it there, even though we really, really got our butts kicked. Let's talk about the game, though. UCF quarterback. John Reese Plumley. He's been in college football for 10 years. Um, Gus Malzahn's his head coach. Both SEC guys. Both guys go to UCF. 
Um, you know that Gus Malzahn was looking at him for a while, and when he left uh, Auburn, you would have to imagine that he was one of the first guys that he called. He has 1,800 yards, 11 touchdowns, 6 picks. Um, that isn't necessarily that great, but he's winning football games. They're, they're scoring 35 points a game. They're averaging 501 yards a game. Um, so this offense is capable. On the flip side, Tulane, uh, led by Michael Pratt, quarterback for the Green Wave. He has 1,800 yards as well, 14 touchdowns, 4 interceptions. This Tulane team is playing at a 32.9 points per game, so really 33, uh, only allowing 16.9. Both these defenses are playing pretty well. I mean, UCF, I didn't mention it, 18.8 points allowed per game. Tulane, 16.9. Someone's got to give here because both offenses are putting up big numbers. I alluded to the UCF number. Tulane averaging 418 a game on uh, total yards, so that's that's pretty good. Someone will give here. Both teams, excuse me, UCF last lost on October 22nd to East Carolina. Got thumped by East Carolina, 34-13, so they've won their last four of their last five. Um, Tulane on a five-game winning streak. Beaten Kansas State earlier this season, which is a really awesome win for them and looks like like less of a bad loss uh, for K-State, in my opinion, with this two-lane team only having lost one game. Um, it's going to be an interesting matchup for sure. Uh, UCF has beaten Cincinnati, so they're not afraid to to take on these these really good programs and these teams. Look for this to be a really awesome, awesome matchup. Riley says that he has Tulane to win by two touchdowns. Rhett, Tulane by 17. So I guess I'm going to have to go with the Black Knights here, and I'm going UCF. If they're going to uh, if they're going to take Tulane so heavily, I mean, that is a little disrespectful in my opinion. Uh, Tulane's only a two-and-a-half-point favorite, and these guys are saying that they're going to win by two or three scores even. So give me... The, the the UCF Knights, I don't know if they're the Black Knights anymore, actually. They might have taken that away or something, but it, it does just say Knights. But So I apologize. Let's move forward. Rhett. Rhett Weissman. We've already talked a little bit about TCU. Um, they play Texas this weekend. We've talked about Bijan Robinson as well. This is going to be an awesome matchup um, in Austin, Texas. I think TCU... It should be very disrespectful for them having being uh, picked as an underdog here. For what reason? Um, besides the name Texas, Texas is six and three and four and two in the conference. I'm not saying that's bad by any stretch of the imagination, but if you're at Texas, that isn't that impressive to me. That doesn't move the needle for me. Why? Well, I. It, it's just not that good. You escaped against Iowa State, which ended up, you know, I mean, a Texas team in the past would have lost that game. A lot of people raving about how they didn't lose that game, but like you win by three against a team that can't score. This TCU team can score the football. Max Duggan, uh, Quentin Johnston, who is questionable, but I, you know he's going to play. They are firing on all cylinders. Duggan not turning the ball over. 2,407 yards, 24 touchdowns, two picks. That is an insane clip right there. I mean, that alone has probably won them three games, simply not turning the ball over. Uh, Quentin Johnson, as I mentioned, he is questionable right now, so that is something to keep in mind. But 42 catches for 650 yards and four touchdowns. A lot of guys 
have this guy going early in the NFL draft, and I kind of agree. Texas, though, they've got dudes. Quinn Ewers is good. They proved it last week um, against K-State in a very, very difficult environment to play in, especially at night, um, a place that Texas has not fared well at um, in history. They dominated that game. They took control, and K-State tried to come back, but Texas did not give in, did not flinch, and they got a huge, huge road win for them in Manhattan last weekend. Quinn Ewers, 1,336 yards, 13 touchdowns, and five picks. We've already mentioned B. John Robinson. He's got 192 carries for 1,129 yards, as we alluded to, 12 touchdowns. And then a guy that, because they have Quinn Ewers and because they have B. John Robinson, that is not talked about nearly enough, Texas wide receiver Xavier Worthy is just as explosive, if not um, just as good as Quentin Johnston. He has 40 catches for 552 yards and nine touchdowns. So a few less yards, about 100 less yards, but five more touchdowns on two less receptions. That's good numbers, people. That's really good numbers. This is going to be an interesting game. TCU, 43.1 points per game. Texas, 36.1. And and I've already alluded to this. I alluded to this in in the first segment. Listen to this. TCU averaging 27 points a game. Four touchdowns? That's concerning. Um, Texas only allowing 21 points a game. TCU going for 508 yards a game. Texas going for 447. It's going to be very interesting. Um, I'm going to go ahead and pick the TCU Horned Frogs. There is no reason why they should be underdogs in this game. I don't think that there's any reason why they should lose this game. Texas's defense does not scare me when you talk about an offense that is this good. It's going to be an awesome QB battle. I think there could be a lot of freaking points in this game. Riley's picking Texas. Rhett thinks that Quentin Johnston is going to play, so he's going to take TCU, but if not, he's going to take Texas. I'm all over the Horn Frogs. Give me TCU. Final game of the Figure It Out podcast college football show. Alabama goes to Ole Miss to take on the Rebs in Oxford. What a matchup, 9 versus 11 at 2.30 on CBS Saturday afternoon. Um, people, and, and you know, it, it is a weird, it's a weird time in college football because Alabama will not be a part of the college football playoff. They are officially out. I don't believe that they can even go to the SEC championship game. I could be wrong about that as of right now. What I do know is that they lose this game, they are for sure out of the SEC championship game um, against another SEC West opponent. But when you look at Alabama, man, like, first off, you know that they're going to get everybody's best shot. They lose on the road to Tennessee by a field goal that trickled over the, the crossbar. They lost 52-49. to 49. And then they go to Baton Rouge, and they lose on a 50-50 two-point conversion. I mean, if Bama... If, if LSU doesn't get that ball, which, or excuse me, doesn't get that conversion, which, by the way, what a freaking catch. I believe it was Jason Taylor's nephew. I think it's Michael Taylor. Could be wrong on that. But I do know that it's Jason Taylor's nephew, son, excuse me, caught 
an unbelievable ball to win the game. He drops that ball or it's incomplete. We're talking about Bama still in the playoff talk. So um, this this game, to me, on paper, looks a little bit closer than what I think my football brain is going to allow me to, to, uh, to do. Bama, I do admit, their defense is not as good. They have tremendous edge guys in terms of defensive ends, but they really lack that first-round pick that they seem to always have that anchors the middle of their defensive line, and it's kind of been on display. Um, and it was really on display against LSU because LSU is really physical. LSU is an interesting team, a team that I have honestly talked a lot of shit on for having the name LSU and having been overhyped, but I don't know that I'm right anymore. I might have to be... I might be wrong here. They they are a legit team, and um, you know they tough environment in Baton Rouge at night, and Bama was there blow for blow until the very end. Alabama averaging forty one points a game, um, only allowing eighteen point three points per game. That is with the Tennessee fifty two to forty nine loss. Um, so their defense is pretty nasty still. Um, Ole Miss is going to want to try to throw it around the yard with uh, Jackson Dart, who has 1,911 yards, um, 14 touchdowns and 7 picks. Bryce Young on the Alabama side, he's a stud, man. This Bama team is is led and driven by him. Um, I'm not saying that I didn't realize that he was this good, but I think last year I just kind of like lost sight of it maybe. And it's crazy to say because didn't he win the Heisman? So... Uh, he is the he is the real deal. Uh, two thousand two hundred thirty four yards, nineteen touchdowns, four picks. Um, everything in the world is pointing me in the direction of Bama, and it's because they they're they're written off. No one's even thinking about them now. I will say this for Ole Miss's sake, and this could play a huge part. And this is the last thing I'll say, and we'll get out of here. Bama's never been in a situation before where they don't really have anything to play for. Um, at Alabama, they have they have created a, such a monster that a bowl game that isn't a playoff game doesn't really matter to them. Um, what does this team do? Do they continue to fight? Do they continue to play really high-level college football? Or do they mail it in? Because Ole Miss has a lot in front of them to play for. They can They can go to the SEC championship game. They're 4-1 in the conference right now. They have a lot on their plate still left. And what better way for them to continue that streak than to beat Alabama? Um, You know Oxford is going to be fired up on Saturday afternoon. Um, They've won their last four out of five, including a top 10 win against Kentucky. Um, Last week they beat A&M on the road. Um, I've... It is a very dangerous spot for Alabama, but man, Bama's talented, and how do you pick against them? So I'm going to take the Crimson Tide on Saturday with the full understanding that Ole Miss can absolutely get this done. Um, Awesome show. Quick and easy. That's the College Football Figured Out podcast on a Friday. Enjoy your day. Enjoy football this weekend. Um, feel free to tweet me at Chancall86 if you uh, have any disagreements or, or want to roast me um, Saturday if I said anything completely wrong when the games kick off. Appreciate it, guys. Have a great Friday. Enjoy football. We'll talk to you soon.